0: Before you slip into unconsciousness, I'd like to have another kiss. Welcome to Five Star Autopsy, where we examine the cause of death for the greatest creative runs in pop culture. And as you tell from the top, we're talking about The Doors. (laughs) The ever polarizing band, The Doors. And their even more polarizing lead singer, Jim Morrison. Okay, i the top, all cards on the table, I fucking love The Doors. I loved them as a kid, I love them now. I think uh, The Doors get a rap as kind of a band that, um, if you, you get into them and then you, you grow out of them, and or you realize quickly early on they are terrible and people who like them are idiots and or just have bad taste, and you stay away from them, and that's fine. I'm not here to dissuade you of uh, your your notions that the Doors aren't great. <laughs> that's, that's a complete lie. Um, I, but I'm not gonna. You know, you that's fine. That's your opinion. I, I will say I am going to talk about how I love the Doors, and so maybe that will change your opinion, but it probably won't. You know, and that's okay. Uh, I I will explain what I love about the Doors and why they're really good for this podcast. Is that the the story of the Doors is um one of those few things in pop culture that has a such a great narrative uh line through it for, because of course there's an end there's there's um there's a very uh final uh chapter in the doors because jim Morrison's death but not only that their um their run of albums you know they they end on uh I'll say a little spoiler they end on a very high note and that's pretty rare in all of pop culture most people, most people make, you know, a body work and there's a peak somewhere in there, but it's almost never the end. And I'm not saying that the the, the end of the Doors is the peak of the band, but it's a, a you know, it could be argued and um, I will definitely listen to that argument. So we'll, let's get into the Doors, right? Um, if you haven't, if you don't know who the hell I am, I'm Tony McMillan. I am an author, an artist, a musician, and um, uh, unabashed Doors fan. I think I got into the Doors almost positive I got into them because of the movie the Oliver Stone movie from 1991 I think it was um I don't I don't even know I I was getting into rock music and I think I um I, I I think I just I I the movie was always on or we rented it or something and I think I knew a little bit of their songs I think I heard break on through and light my fire and people are strange and I, I dug them. I just thought they sounded really cool. I thought Jim Morrison's voice was great. Um, you know, Jim Morrison... A lot of people discuss whether or not he is a poet or he's simply a rock lyricist. Um, a lot of people discuss, you know, him kind of helping to establish the, the archetype of the, of the the rock singer. You know, the um, excessive drug use, the, um, the rebellious behavior... Uh, even just the mannerisms on stage and the kind of the kind of thing you know, the kind of uh, sexual sexuality and uh, brazenness—that's all—that's great. And we'll talk about some of that stuff. People kind of don't talk enough about how he—he he was a really good singer. Like he, um, his voice could go from a very um, Sinatra and Elvis type of croon to a great howl and bark like a bluesman, a bluesman kind of bark, and, um, he, he could kind of seem, seemed like effortlessly go back and forth between those things, and he's one of the first vocalists that I definitely tried to imitate as a kid, and I could kind of pull off some of the stuff, because it wasn't technically super hard to do, but he's really good at, you know, some of the technical stuff, he's really good at phrasing, he's really good at melody, and that stuff's, you know, you can't just, um, not just anyone could do that kind of stuff, and, and I think that's, uh, it's not talked about enough, and I think it's really funny, I know a lot of people who, um, hate The Doors in general, but also a lot of people who hate The Doors who, like, love Danzig, for instance, or love The Misfits, and, you know, without The Doors, I'm pretty sure Danzig, he wouldn't sound like that vocally, um, and I think there's a few other bands like that too, where there's an influence from The Doors, and from Jim Morrison specifically, his, his, uh, vocal technique, his attack, um, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's almost like a, such a template of rock, such such a such a big um, foundational thing. It's kind of uh, not even not even looked at or even acknowledged, and I think it's a shame because I I think it's one of those things that gets left out of the argument of why the Doors is a a great band, and also you know in the '60s they are a great American rock band. It's competing with these amazing British acts and um, competing and sometimes beating them. You know. So let's uh, let's explain why, why that is. The Doors is four guys, right? You have Jim Morrison on vocals. You have Ray Manzarek on keyboard and organ. Also playing keyboard bass because there is no bass player in The Doors. You have Robbie Krieger playing guitar. And you have John Densmore on drums. Um, another thing, I think it's um, Jim Morrison, of course, is uh, he's the main subject of The Doors. He's the, the main subject of the movies. Uh, any discussion it's, it usually revolves around Jim Morrison, and I and I get it. He's he, he's he's he, he's a big part of the band. He's you know they're all all four members of the band are extremely vital to make this work. There's a weird balance that they all need, but Jim is the he, he's the thing that's right in your front front of your face, right? He's the frontman, he's the lyricist, he's the vocalist, he sets the mood, he um. It's one of the first things I think when they came out it was different about this band is this guy the way he wrote lyrics the way he sang songs his demeanor his his vibe was it, it set them apart so Jim Morrison obviously is is extremely important but the other three guys there's no doors without these guys the doors is a band it's not Jim Morrison's uh it's not a Jim Morrison project it's all four guys so let's talk about them real quick Raymond Zarek. okay Raymond Zarek is on on organ and keyboard and also playing the bass uh with the keyboard, he gives them that sound, he gives them that sixty sound, you know, it's, he's, he's incredible, he's, um, you know, there are definitely times in, in, in their, um, their catalog where he's, um, he, he, he's not afraid to fucking take a solo and go on, maybe a little too long here and there, but usually it's really tasteful, he's a jazz guy, he's got the blues background too, he, he, um, And of course, the Doors is a very psychedelic band, and so he helps that sound get very spacey, get very um, introspective, and and just in in general trippy. You know, Ray Manzarek is a big part of that. He's also a guy who I think in the internal politics of the band, he's Jim Morrison's equal intellectually. Jim Morrison's a very smart guy, um, and and he's you know they're both students at um, UCLA, I believe, or where the film schools in LA. And they met there. And so they had a um, they had a rapport. And, and I think Jim could throw things at him lyrically um, and include like allusions to different poets and different uh, pieces of literature. And Raymond Zarek was quick enough to pick up on all that and get what Jim was going at. So I think he helped Jim achieve his vision. And with that, Raymond Zarek, there's no doors. And, we're, we're gonna, and basically, that's going to be the way through. I remember, right? So next up is John Densmore. John Densmore is great drummer, like, he, another jazz guy, he has a jazz background, he brings in not only a jazz kind of influence, but, like, on, on Break On Through and a few other things, He has a Bossa Nova beat, he's got a lot of, um, a varied taste and in, in, in influences, he's also a hard-ass rock drummer, like he can, he can fucking slam it, what's really cool about John Densmore is you'll see in different songs, like The End, and, um, this throughout their whole career when the music's over especially their bigger numbers he's playing not only is he responding to what uh the guitarist and the organ player is doing he's responding to the vocal he's responding to the lyrics sometimes and in, in the end especially you hear he knows how to build drama and when Jim's gonna say or uh, do, do a vocal passage that's kind of like the a big surprising or maybe frightening part John Densmore knows how to um to come in and, and add excitement and build those dynamics he's He's very uh, attuned to the drama of what they're doing they're um, they're a theatrical band in a lot of ways. without being so theatrical it becomes like this big um, stage production they when, when you hear live recordings they're still very loose and they um there's a lot of uh, improv, improv- ah, they improvise a lot but a lot of their their pieces their, their set pieces are these big theatrical kind of uh Songs where Jim can go do spoken word parts and the band can kind of simmer in the background and John Densmore Densmore keeps that um, exciting and he knows when to come in and kind of uh, And showcase and flourish and and, and it all adds to the song without John Densmore. There's no doors Lastly Robbie Robbie Krieger Super underrated guitarist Robbie Krieger is really interesting. He doesn't play with a pick He um a lot of influences, kind of like John Densmore, he, he's all over the place, you know, he's got, um, of course, guitar stuff, he has flamenco stuff he's into, there's some uh, sitar kind of influences, all over the place, right, you just listen to the end, and you can hear that kind of um, Indian-sounding sitar type of sound, you know, it's a guitar, you get influence on it, you hear, listen to, like, uh, Love Me Two times, you hear the blues influence, obviously, Um, you know, and of course, it's funny, Robbie Krieger's one of those guys who a lot of times he he'll play kind of stuff that's kind of laid back. He lets like the the you know Ray Manzarek and the organ kind of um, get a lot of spotlight, and he lets Jim Morrison's vocal and the melody kind of get the spotlight. He's he's cool hanging back, but when it's time, when it's time for him to, to take a real solo or time to really do a really cool riff, he doesn't hold back, you know. And so like when the music's over, his guitar solo is fucking scorcher. It's 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 so it's it's so um, psychedelic, as well as you know, it's got guts and grits, grit to it, and it'll squeal, and it'll go on, and it it, it never gets boring, he, he's, um, he's very tasteful, but he's, he's also, sometimes he's, he's, he's fine, just cutting the fucking leash, and just going nuts a little bit, like on Backdoor Man, his solo, especially live, oh my god, it's, it's so good, it, it sounds, it sounds like a head of what where this, the late 60s was, it sounds more like something in the mid-70s, you know like his his playing it seems like he was already kind of really embracing um distortion and 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 doing some stuff that you know it's almost a little hendrixy at times and i'm i don't know if he was influenced by hendrix or was this coincidence or what but um that that's the that's the Robbie Krieger i i really enjoy and of course Robbie Krieger is also the other songwriter in the band he's the other lyricist so jim morrison writes most of the songs right but robbie krieger as most doors fans know he writes a lot of the hits, actually. L- "Light My Fire" that's Robbie Krieger. Um, "Lover Madly" that's Robbie Krieger. "Touch Me" Robbie Krieger. Um, almost every album he's got one track at least that's like a hit single. He's he's like their secret weapon, and I love that in bands when when there's you know one component like a lot of people don't know about, or you kind of always forget. Oh yeah, it's right. They have this guy who does this thing sometimes, and it's always good. And Robbie Krieger's kind of like my um. As a kid, he was on the first times. So I was like, "Oh, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know, like." And it it, it adds a lot to the band. Obviously, he, um, it, you know, he has these hit singles, which helps him give a little pop edge to some of their artier, uh, weirder stuff. But it, it it's it's also just kind of fun to know that um, if they need if they need something, Jim can't you know can't provide everything they have. Robbie Krieger's right there. And from what I heard is Jim Morrison was very um, welcoming, especially after he, uh, Robbie Krieger, provided Light My Fire. He was very, like, embrace. He embraced Robbie Krieger being an addition to the band's songwriting because I think he's, like, you know, it's it's a tough thing to, to have to um, write lyrics for every song on all these albums. So, you know, a lot of bands, I think, thrive on competition, like the Beatles kind of did. Um, the Doors... It didn't feel too competitive. It felt more like Jim was cool with Robbie doing a hissing because thing was was a sort of a, an element that Jim maybe um, wasn't as good at the kind of pop pop angle. And of course, Jim's singing everything, so it's not like a, a huge um, competing thing in a way. It just kind of adds to things. So these four guys they make the doors. The doors have. One of the, the one of the greatest debuts in music, and just in pop culture in general, I, it's I'm like hard pressed to think of like a better debut. So not only is it jaw dropping, I'm gonna say this is this is their masterpiece actually. The Doors, the self titled album. This thing, a lot okay. A lot of bands from this era are are you know they're, they're the greatest bands of all time, right? It's the late '60s. We're talking early '70s. Um, a lot of these bands are—they're—they're they're what we built rock on, right? But a lot of them don't start um, fully formed. They don't—they don't start um, as strong as the Doors. The Doors' first single, the first song on their first album, is "Break On Through to the Other Side." That's the fucking mission statement. This band—not only were they fully formed, they—they they encapsulate everything they want to set out to do, everything they're about, everything. They're gonna be about even even if they change, it is all distilled down to this pure essence of the message of break on through, not only lyrically but musically. This thing, it's uh you know I I often kind of play like little mind games with myself like what what is the ultimate rock anthem, and <laughs> there's different contenders, but you know I'll, I'll say this, there's break on through to the other side and there's jumping jack flash. And I don't know which one better crystallizes what rock is about. Break on through, you know that riff, which uh, it, it's a almost like tequila, you know that dun 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 dun. dun-, dun. It, but I think it's actually ripped off of, uh, I think Robbie Krieger said he, he ripped off or was really influenced by, um, it's like the Butter Something band. And it sounds, I listened to the song, and it's, yeah, it's there, but, it, you know, he adds a lot to it. You have, uh, you know, the keyboard bass going, and then that guitar lick comes in, and the drums are kind of doing this bossing over thing. Jim Orson's opening, st- opening line, like, I I, I I laugh because it's like so, like, god damn, that's how you start? That's, that's amazing. It's it's. I, it's such a great way to start uh, your career, st- to start your album, to start um, a song. He, he, the first thing Jim Morrison says is, "You know, the day destroys the night, the night divides the day. Try to run, try to hide, break on through to the other side." It's right there. I mean, it's very, it's, uh, it's very evocative. It's, um, you know, very primal imagery of day and night. Um, I think it's still, even though this, you know, it's been around for a while, I think even though it's, it's dealing with, um, he's playing a game of opposites, you know, against each other day and night, stuff like that, it avoids cliche, because it's, it's said in a very unique, interesting way, and I love that it opens with, you know, the day, like, he's saying, like, you know, you you know, the day destroys the night, the night divides the day, (laughs) like, he's assuming we already know about his crazy fucking notions, but, He's kinda right. It's like we it's he's basically um articulating a feeling we've all had. And maybe never it's been scratching the back of our heads and we haven't been uh, sure how to say it. And so the the song continues and, and you know, what's great about breaking on through to the other side is you have you have Jim Morrison fully locked in the character. You have that croony voice, you have these really uh they're they're dark but not um not bornly one-dimensional lyrics like there there's always a dark kind of luster to them but he's he's talking about sunny things and and bright things and he's kind of tempering things of like you know i found an island in your arms a country in your eyes arms that chained us eyes that lied so you know he he's he's keeping you on your toes you're not sure oh is he is this gonna be happy now all of a sudden is this um, a positive thing no and then is, a, is there are there political um ramifications to the lyrics when you talk about the countries and, and and lies or is it all this metaphysical thing it's there's not a lot of answers and that's what's part of the power but what's also happening is jim morrison has shown you vocally like he can do this really uh mellifluous uh, vocal melody is very he's nice rich baritone it's very creamy and the melodies kind of swims around and you follow it but then it comes to the chorus he's kind of he's barking that thing and then by the end of the song he it builds his crescendo of like the whole band is just wailing he's saying yeah 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 and he's screaming it and he sounds wild and that's the first hint of like oh like this band you know, for for a band for a keyboard player, they're they're gonna go fucking nuts. Like they're gonna outdo the Stones. They're gonna outdo Cream. Like they're they're gonna be they're gonna be raucous, or raucous. You know, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be something that um your parents aren't gonna like. And not only that, like it, it's it's gonna be just animal, even though it's very intellectual. So it's it's the perfect marriage. You know, like. The the band, the, the Doors band name is from a William Blake thing with the Marriage of Heaven and Hell. You know, the Doors of Perception are cleansed. And there's an Aldous Huxley thing that took that. But anyways, I always think about the Marriage of Heaven and Hell. That's what this band is. The dynamics of light and dark, day and night, um, intellect, animal. It's, it's all right there. It's all on there in the first fucking song. I mean... It's, it's hard to know where to go from there, and the band continues. The first album, um, it's perfect, man. Even the songs which you might say are throwaway, you know, like, um, I Looked at You, it's fucking great. I mean, maybe it's not saying a lot lyrically, but it's such a groovy fucking tune, and, you know, if that was on another album, that might be the highlight, but the, on this album, it's just like, you know, it's like, it's like the lessest, one one of the lesser songs. It still rules. Um one one of my favorite songs, What I opened this uh, this episode up with me singing was um, The Crystal Ship, the song three. I opened with Jim Morrison's vocal. This is one of his best uh, lyrics, one of his best vocal melodies. It's a really kind of uh, beautifully haunting uh, love song that gets very psychedelic and it seems to be about almost uh, like the band's ambition, like Jim Morrison kind of going, like, we're going on this trip and that's, Another thing, this since everyone knows that Morrison dies and he dies young, it add, it does add layers to uh, the lyrics and the music. It does add this kind of tragic um, authenticity to some of the um, the darkness in, in in a lot of these um, these songs. And I I don't know I don't know when this band came out if that was not a, you know when he was still living if um, these these songs felt that. Um, evocative, in, in, at least in that way, I don't know, but, um, you know, you can't not think of them now, it's like the Kirk Cobain thing, it's like, it, it just adds that little layer of, like, uh, he fucking meant it, I guess, you know, like, like, he meant, like, you know, the palace of, uh, was it, was it, uh, the palace of wisdom is, the, the road to excess leads to the palace of wisdom, it basically means, like, go fucking crazy, have all the sex, do all the drugs, have all the experiences, if you die, you die, it's but you lived and like he 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 went for it you know it's very teenage uh it, it's it's you know it can be it can be dumb it's childish in a way but you know at least he he had uh he followed through on it for better or for worse and, and so there's there, I gotta respect that um but it's all in the first album which is funny it's 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 right there so the crystal ship you know again what's cool about a lot of, of the songs in the first album um the Doors have, they, um, they have played these songs a bunch live, they're finely tuned, right, they, um, they just know, they they get everything they can out of all these songs, they, they, they all build, a lot of them build up to a big vocal from Jim, um, but, uh, it, it all seems to just work, it's all gold, man, there's so much gold on this first album, that's what makes it a shadowcaster, basically something they can never really, um, surpass, and they have some close calls, but this first album, it's, it's really hard to think of a a better debut album by anybody, and what helps, uh, what helps, um, what helps make that basically irrefutable is the last song, The End, The End is there, is, is, if there's one song which is like This is what this is what you need to listen to To understand what makes The Door special It's the end um, I think it's 11 minutes long Or something like that It's this huge epic track With spoken word poetry in the middle of it And um, incredible Atmospheric music And um, Jim's, Jim's uh, Vocal performances All over the place And it's uh, it's really uh, rapturous, and and, and um, it, it's like the best psychedelic, psychedelic music. It, it takes you somewhere, and somewhere pretty fucking dark for most of it. Um, and The Doors, The End, um, it's really weird. I think that might be in, well, my, my first exposure to The Doors was from the movie Apocalypse Now, and the song The End is featured heavily throughout the end of the movie, and... Um, I, I, I'm almost, I'm almost positive. That's the first time I the doors registered for me. And, um, you know, still, when I hear that opening guitar, Robbie Krieger, it's just so, it's so kind of creepy, but not, but not, but not obviously creepy. It's just kind of, kind of weird. And it it's just sounds, um, uh, it sounds like a very, um, alluring nightmare it just sounds like it's gonna it's gonna beckon you with it and it does as of course the big Oedipus part um when Jim Morrison says uh, mother uh, uh he says father I want to kill you mother I want to and he didn't say fuck you but that's what you know we're led to believe is what it's pretty easily um to understand what he's trying to say you know and this is like the big shocking moment and this sort of um helps them they're they're one of the first big acts that kind of um, creates shock rock in a lot of ways and, and like the you know he's like oh my god I can not believe they said that lyrics um but it's not cheap actually it, it it's there for a purpose um there's, there's a lot of metaphor there and um I I, I think it still holds up and it, it, I know it holds up because the, you know that shock that statement isn't that shocking really anymore um but it doesn't need to be the music is so good the the, the lyrics are so good in general. That track, um, that track is immortal, and you know they often end concerts with it because what what can you do to to, to follow up on that? You know, what could you possibly do that could uh, outdo the end? What they do is Strange Days. So in 1967, they released their debut. At the end of the year, they have their second follow up album, um, Strange Days. Strange Days is a fiery follow up. This thing, um, you know, it's not it's not going to be the the debut. It, they're going to try their damnedest. It's very similar in a lot of ways. And a big part of the reason why is that a lot of these songs are written at the same time. So you have that thing where um, the album is, is full of some leftovers. So you know some of this material, you can tell, isn't as strong as the stuff in the first album. But it's still very strong. And there are some uh, originals that were written at the time. Um, I, it, like, like the song People Are Strange. That was a newer song. And it's a great song. It's one of the best songs on the album. In a way, it's kind of that's kind of the signature signature song when I think of Strange Days. Um, what I think happens with Strange Days is so you have some of leftover stuff, right? So some of the material just isn't as good as the stuff on the first album. Stuff like uh, Your Lost Little Girl, um, and also some of the, some of the, the the sequencing I think is just not. Um, it's, I, I think they could they They can make a, a more co- cohesive enjoyable album if um song two wasn't such a slow like your lost little girl such a like a, a pause button that song i think that song's okay but it'd probably be better in the middle of the album or something like that song one strange days um great song cool vocal effect on Jim. jim's vocals great lyrics a uh, very weird kind of vibe it's um it's cool. It sounds really, really neat. And then song two kind of slows it down. But then song three is "Love Me Two Times." This is a Robbie Krieger song, "Secret Weapon," right? This great blues lick, great vocal from Jim. He's he, at the end. He's he's just screaming so loud. It's, it's, it sounds so the distortion, the natural distortion of his voice is just so just uh, devastating. Um, in lyrics by Robbie Krieger. It's a great song. Unhappy Girl, song four, I think is is one of those lost gems. That song is so fucking great. The keyboard intro, just super neat, and then the guitar, the slide guitar. <laughs> that's what it, that's what it sounds like, exactly like that. Um, really cool, and there's a great solo in it. Unhappy Girl is like I, I know that Julian Casablancas from the Strokes talks about how the Doors are influencing him, and he he really makes it a point to go it, the music of the Doors, not j- just Jim Morrison and with that song um, I could kind of hear it that song to me if the organ the organ part was played by a guitar it sounds it would sound like a strokes guitar line unhappy girl rolls so some of the parts of the album which don't aren't great horse latitudes is a song which is a spoken word uh, poetry song and unlike the end and thing it's it's simply spoken word and so it's it's a little bit of a drag it, there's some cool stuff some cool um lines in that thing um but I, I think it kind of uh again slows this album down. I think side 2 of Strange Days is much stronger than side 1 because of side 1 has all these kind of slow down bits. You have stuff like um My Eyes Have Seen You, one of my favorite Door songs. My Eyes Have Seen You is this propulsive dark kind of song that's it's just it's it's quintessential Doors, but it's it's just one of their best rockers. Um I love My Eyes Have Seen You. Um um i can't see your face my mind's really good too although i I like the version on the box set even better i think it's live it sounds a little more like um has a santana thing going for it it sounds really cool they're they're kind of rocking out a little more but still really good people are strange great song um but of course the big finish so the first ends with the ends with the end um they sort of do a sequel to the end in a lot of ways this song is um very similar, and it's another sprawling epic, it's not 11 minutes long, it's like 12 minutes long, or 10 minutes long, it's huge, it's called When the Music's Over, um, and of course it's, you know, the end is the end, so nothing's gonna top that, but this song is fucking great, it's one of their, um, best songs, it's, um, Jim's doing spoken word poetry in the middle of it again, um, but gr- there's a really strong melody, great lyrics, blistering solo from Robbie Krieger, um, Whole band is at, at the top, John Densmore just like playing off of Jim uh, with the spoken word stuff. And there's this great part where he goes, We want the world and we want it now. And he repeats that now. And then there's a little, almost like a whisper now. And then it just, just incredible scream. And that's, I think, um, that scream is when you, uh, Jim is, the first album he goes nuts, but the second album that scream is like him really showing you, like, Oh, I've been kind of uh, holding back a little bit. And then, like, subsequent albums, you'll hear more of that. And if you hear live stuff, like, he is... He just sounds, like, possessed. and uh, It's incredible. Such control. He has such a, a laid-back, rich baritone for for when he wants to. And then he just has this screech, this natural distortion he can do. And um, his voice will crack, and it just, it just sounds... It sounds so dilapidated in the best ways possible. And of course, you know, <laughs> by the end of the career, his voice is already sounding like it's pretty ragged. I don't know if he would have recovered um, vocally but um, from all those crazy howls and shit like that, but hey man, it's, it's a beauty to behold, and that's kind of the doors in general. You're watching this thing disintegrate. I guess, you know, enjoy the firecracker. It goes off. So Strange Days, great follow-up. I mean, it, it, it can't beat the first one, but I, in my opinion, this is their second best album. There's, there's going to be a, a third album, which is a really close contender for second best album. But I think Strange Days, pound for pound, this is the second best one. Same year, 1967. So the next year, what do they do? They do something really interesting. I think, uh, unless I think of a better name for this, this is going to be kind of, uh, this is the run continues, but this next entry is sort of like, we're going to call it um, the next episode. This is when an artist kind of, um, they're not growing enough to really make a a departure from their earlier work. But it's not um, an improvement upon that earlier work either. It's it's not like they've done the same thing but done it even better. They're kind of doing the same thing again. And it's um, beginning to have diminishing returns. But it's good enough to not destroy their run. It's not a dud but basically this is usually like the sign that you know this run is going to come to an end unless this artist really shakes it up or 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 just figures something out you know so the next song the next album is called waiting for the sun uh waiting for the sun is a is a a good album i I like the waiting for the sun it's just it's it's a drop off from the first two and you can tell they're um they're still using some leftover songs from that initial period of uh, creativity which kind of spawned the band in general and you can tell this is, you know, this, these are the ones that they skipped twice now. So they're just not as good. And so the original songs, some are great. The, the, when I say original, I mean the, the, um, the newer songs. Some of the newer songs are really good. And some are just okay. And the band is trying a few new things, but it's not a radical departure. So you open with Hello, I Love You. Hello, I Love You is a really good uh, pop rock song from The Doors. It's, it's, it's kind of reminiscent of The Kinks um, all day and all the night, The Doors actually said that they, they, they were trying to rip off Cream's, um, uh, <laughs> I've been waiting, Sunshine of Your Love, it's similar, right, but the vocal's different, the melody's different, um, it's cool, it's a good track, it's, um, but it's already kind of, um, it's not really, it's not up to the first two albums, and I think what happens is the first album, not only is it, like, their best collection of songs, there's this sort of, um, the break on through as the, as opening mission statement and the end as the the final statement. There's this there's this tone and direction of darkness. They never really surpass that, and that it's sort of like um, later on they, they kind of branch out and they try different things, but um they're 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 at their best when they are kind of these um <laughs> uh erotic politicians. But you know it it's not really about that. It's it's more like politicians of darkness. You know the, the, that's really that's them firing all cylinders. So in Waiting for the Sun, they really move away from that. They have a, a more of a pop sound than they ever had before in some spots. And it, it works out. But there's stuff like, you know, um, My w- Wintertime Love, which is fine. It's it's a fine little pop song. Very cool 60s stuff. It um, it just feels like a, a little fluff, fluffy compared to the rest of their stuff. You know, like lyrically, it's not saying too much. Um I will say, "Love Street." The second song is one of my favorite Door songs of all time. So that's extremely poppy in a lot of ways. They're really cool lyrics, great melody. It's so laid back. Um, I love "Love Street," and you know the word "love." You see, you start kind of popping up more and more. And the Doors, in a lot of ways, they're they're in the midst of the '60s, right? They're power, uh, flower power, and all that stuff. They're kind of always presented as the an antithesis of that. They have plenty of songs about love. They're they have sort of that kind of. Uh, Mentality. They usually counter it with some of their darker uh, thoughts. But um, this album, in a lot of ways, is them. Um, this is them at their brightest and their most. You know, they're a California band, and what they also, for me, they kind of the first thing that packages this dark California thing, which I'm obsessed with. You see my work, Serious Creatures. Uh, it's it's about California, about the dark side of California, because California is this golden, sunny thing, when there's Hollywood and all this thing. It seems so optimistic. So of course, the darker, darker parts of it sort of um, they sh- they they stand out even more in contrast. And Doors kind of figured that out. And so on, s- waiting for the sun. You know, there's there's a lot of bright spots, but then you have to like the Unknown Soldier. Unknown Soldier is a really interesting song from them. It's a it's a anti-war uh, statement. It's anti-Vietnam statement. Um, it's almost like they uh, figured out how to do one of their big theatrical numbers like the end or when the music's over but they they they, um, they cut it into a sm- a small pop-sized nugget like a three four minute long thing they just kind of truncated it and it's cool it, it does it does work I like a nun soldier um, there's stuff like Spanish caravan which is really interesting on guitar wise Robbie Kriegers doing some cool shit. but again lyrically that one's not really um I feel like Jim's not really bringing uh everything he could to a, a song like that, the piece of music like that. Um, um, but the album, basically, this album is close to breaking up the run in a lot of ways when I think about it, but then it ends with five to one. Five to one has gotta be in the top five um, Doris songs. It's, it's, it's maybe, it's proto metal in a lot of ways. It's so hard hitting Jim's vocal, this is him recording, I, I believe he's like shit-faced when he recorded this, like super drunk, and he sounds, he sounds, he sounds unhinged, he sounds, uh, he, he's all over the place, he, at one point he actually is kind of behind the beat, and it kind of still works, and he comes back, and he then he comes back to where he kind of should be, um, it all, it all, it all works. Incredible lyrics, this is very much, um, w- one in the youth culture to kind of rise up and take over, and, and, and take over the world, basically, it's sort of the promise of uh, when the music's over, uh, we want the world and we want it now, he's showing you, and he's also sh- kind of, uh, which I always like with Jim Morrison's lyrics, it's not this sort of um, utopia uh, message where the young are always right, and hippies have the are going to be perfect, he, he's already aware of how fucked up things can be, and, and are going to be in the corruption that's inherent in any sort of system, and that's in 5 to 1 and it's also this incredible... It's an incredible beat. Um, and it's been sampled, I think, by uh, it's either Jay-Z or Nas, one of their one of their diss tracks to one another. It's sampling five to one, but it's like, boom, 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 boom. That's great, right? So that's been sampled. The guitar line from Robbie Krieger, that's been sampled by, or sampled, that's been um, basically ripped off by Kiss, um, by Pearl Jam for Alive, uh, a bunch of other um, tracks. It's this song is, it has cat, it has made such a big ripple. Great song, Jim Morrison just going nuts with this thing. Um, at the end, he's just like get together one more time. He's just screaming it, and there's like this cool, creepy droning backing vocal doing it with him. Um, and then you have to, he has this creepy fucking laugh he does. And you know, there, you know, I I I like, I love when there's actually authentic laughs in songs. And I don't know if this one is or this is simply like him, you know, it's part of the song. Because I don't think he does it live usually. He doesn't do his crazy laugh. But this laugh sounds so demented. It sounds real. It sounds like a really drunk person who has a really fucked up joke that they're not even saying, but they're just laughing to themselves. It sounds like what you imagine the Joker would sound like in real life. And uh, he, he has this creepy laugh and he says, like, I love my girl and he's like gonna and just like she's looking good looking real good it's it's so weird it's it sounds like sounds like almost like something we shouldn't be listening to and of course this song is also um this the recording this is incredible right there's also recordings like when later on in a couple years when they um they play florida and they have this huge riot and supposedly jim whips uh, whips his dick out and there's you know there's this mayhem it's during this song or i'm sorry it's not during this song but the, this recording, this song, is a few songs before that things fall apart, and Jim, uh, in the middle of the song, just goes, "You're all a bunch of fucking slaves," and he starts ripping into the audience in this really confrontational, like, ugly way. And some of the things he say, he say he's saying are 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 true, you know. And some of the things are, if they're not true, they're um they're said in the worst way possible. He's trying to. He, I think it's sort of like he's just pissed off and he's just picking on the audience, but he's doing it in a way where he's like, yeah, some of the things he's saying are true, like, you know, we're all, we're all, you know, addicted to money, and and we're um, living our our lives out of fear, and all this kind of stuff, but of course, you know, (laughs) it's easy to say that, Jim, when you, you know, you hit the jackpot, you're fucking, you know, you get to just drink, and go crazy, and make art, you know, so, but that's kind of the dark side of of Jim Morrison and the Doors, and that's part of the story, you know, and so this song, this is like, uh, especially on an album of a lot of the kind of like fluffier, brighter stuff, this one kind of comes out of nowhere and just takes your head off. 5 to 1 is fucking great. And The Doors are really good at ending their albums usually. They have, a lot of them end with big epic numbers. This one's not like an epic number in length, but um, in subject matter and just uh, approach, it's, it's incredible. So 5 to 1 saves this album, saves the run, three in a run, three in a row rather. Even though it is kind of the next episode, it just feels like Okay, so the doors are... Here, here are the doors again. Welcome back, you know? So in the fourth album, the next one, um, The Soft Parade, the doors sort of kind of, I think, are aware. We, we, we we're we kind of in a rut a little bit. We, we need to change it up. We gotta try something. We gotta, we gotta grow. Unfortunately, I don't think they grow in the right direction, and this kills the run. The Soft Parade, the fourth album, um the doors try to... Incorporate a lot of horns in a sort of a jazz kind of thing on a lot of the songs. And they've always had jazz influences in their music, and with the you know, especially the um, the piano and drums and guitar interplay, yeah, it's always been there. But the horns, they're, they're going for something a little different. And at parts, it, it does work. Like The song um, "Touch Me" is a big single. Robbie Krieger wrote it. Um, I love "Touch Me." I, I have no problem with "Touch." Some people dump it's like Doors fans it's like you know to think "Touch Me" is this whole like. Um, um, fluffy cornball thing, and it's like it's great, man. It's I mean, it is pop, but that's fine. If if pop, if pop is good, it's good. I don't care. Um, great lyrics. Uh, you know, they're simple lyrics, but a great melody, and um, the horns really kind of help drive the song. And it they have the horns, but it doesn't seem like um, it still seems like the Doors. It seems very much like the Doors. And even there's some cheeky shit at the end where um, the song ends and you hear these these kind of muted voices go, stronger than dirt, and as a kid, I was like, what, what is that? Stro- Are they saying stronger than dirt? What is, what is that? So it's actually, it's a, it's a jingle, a commercial jingle, uh, I think it's some sort of cleaner back in the, maybe it was Ajax or something like that, but they, they're, they're tagging on stronger than dirt, so this is sort of Jim Morrison and the rest of the band going, yeah, this is, this is commercial, we know that, um, but you know, we're aware, so here's a, here's a little tip of the hat to that, what we're doing here, um, The song, the album does open with one, it might be my least favorite Doors song, uh, Tell All the People. This is the horns not working. This is, uh, this is the Doors, you know, this is sort of like really when I feel like Jim Morrison's sort of phoning in at the lyrics. And he, it's, they've strayed so far from where they they came from in the debut and sort of that dark outlook and that's okay if you stray, if you have something equally as uh, compelling to kind of present. They don't seem like they're having this out, this, this song, at least. And so Tell Me kind of sets sets things off on a bad foot from the get-go. And then you have, uh, or Touch Other People, sorry, not Tell Me. Touch Other People kind of starts things off badly. Touch Me is cool. Song 3 is one of my favorite songs on the album, uh, Shaman's Blues. Shaman's Blues is fucking good. Shaman's Blues is really weird, kind of like... Um, Rhythm to it, it's it's more jazzy. Um, great lyrics by Jim, great vocal. Uh, this really he's you know, he's throwing a lot of weird uh Im- imagery at you and stuff like that. But there's also this thing where he's saying, um, it, it seems like he's it's being kind of confessional, talking about the loneliness of of what he's become in a way. As rock star, is sort of he looked he, you know, he I I I don't know if he's actually he called himself a shaman, but he's he's definitely made allusions to be like a shaman in, in some way. At least he's trying to go for that. This is him kind of being like, you know, it kind of sucks to be the leader guy, right? They have a song. They, they It's on a live album. I don't think they ever recorded it properly called A Universal Mind. And it has a similar kind of theme where like the lyric is like, um I'm the freedom man. That's how lucky I am. And it's like this lament about, you know, it sucks. It seems like he's liberating a lot of people or, or, or making people happy, but he himself is kind of empty inside. So I, was, I always dug that. I thought that was a cool, vulnerable lyric and a really good rock song. So, But the rest of the album is a mixed bag at best. Um, Wild Child has a great guitar riff, and there's some cool stuff going on in Wild Child, but it does, seem kind of, it does seem kind of rote. It does seem kind of like the Doors almost making a generic Doors song. There's a song that was going to be on this album called uh, Whiskey and Mystics and Men. I think that song is great. I wish that song was on the album. The song's on the box set. Um, that's that's much better than Wild Child and, if, and much better than like Easy Ride and shit like that. And also like Running Blue. It's cool to hear Robbie Krieger sing, but it's, it, you know, it's not that good of a song, honestly. Um, there's a lot of mixed stuff here. I will say though, one of the strongest uh, songs the Doors ever made is on this album. And it's the last song. It's a title track, The Soft Parade itself. Soft Parade is another epic. It's like eight minutes long, huge song. And unlike um, previous. Uh, extra long epics from the doors, it's not really about spoken, spoken word poetry as much, it, this is more of a, a multi-part song, like, uh, like a precursor to Bohemian Rhapsody, in a lot of ways, I mean, there is some spoken word poetry, it opens with like a spoken word kind of part, with Jim, um, but great lyrics, and there's also a lot, um, you hear Jim doing, um, overdubs on himself, and multi-tracking stuff, and it gets, it gets really different, a different kind of headspace, and, um, there's a lot of parts to this song and the end part is just so good. It's it's this feels like it feels decadent and um if it it, it, it kind of captures that five to one thing again where Jim Morrison sounds like he's 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 fucking out of his mind. He's off he's off his gourd, but he's saying some real shit. Um some great lyrics. I, I love I wish the whole album was as good as the Soft Parade itself. But it's not. The Soft Parade is an album like it's the band, it's the band, they're trying, they're trying to do something different, but it's not really working, and it's, it, it's, it's like them trying to do something different, it's not really working, and then the stuff they used to do, it just sounds like the stuff they, it just sounds like a lesser version of what they used to do. So in every way, it's not really working. So that kills the run. But I love The Doors Broken Run, you know why? Because it's, it's like such a great story, because they come back, Big time, two more albums left, right? And these are two of their strongest albums, okay? So the middle section of the door story, the Waiting for the Sun, still part of the run, next episode kind of, you know, it's okay. Soft Parade kills the run, right? So the middle part of the door story is definitely is is the valley, right? They come right back up though. Morrison Hotel, this is the band starting with a Reinventing the Roots kind of approach. And so, I talked about the with the Frank Miller thing. So, Reinventing the Roots, The Doors is kind of my first time I thought about this. The Doors of Morrison Hotel, they're they, they, they are really embracing the blues as one of their influences, and, and they're wearing it more on their sleeve. The opening song, Roadhouse Blues, it's it's a fucking, it's a blues song. It's a full-on rock blues song. Unlike, they've, they've done that with some of their covers, like Backdoor Man on the first album, some other songs, but this is an original that's very much in that vein. And Jim's vocal, even... His approach is a little bluesier. He's he's um he's changing it up. It's it, it, and so it's a di- almost like a different character he's putting on, and it's it sounds great. It's a great opening song. It's one of their best songs. Um, and it's also them. One of the first times I think them kind of Jim Morrison lyrically, he's um you know his lyrics can be very um very artsy-fartsy, right? Real crazy stuff. A lot of uh, um primal imagery and stuff like that. He, in this album he starts doing a lot more blue collar kind of like mundane things he's talking about, but don't, doing them in a very um, interesting way, and in sort of um, making them sound mythic in a lot of ways. So he's like, "I woke up this morning, I got myself a beer," <laughs> you know. And that's that's like you know that's like a almost like a, a shitty Melonkamp lyric, right? He's like, "I woke up this morning, I got myself a beer. The future's uncertain and the end is always near." That's his, that's his follow up. And it just takes this turn. It's a, it starts out kind of like almost like a joke. And then it gets this, it, you know, it. it I, I I love that. I love that pairing. I love the kind of, the weird thing that does, you know, in your head. It's like this, like, he's like this, he sounds like some dude who works at Steel Mill who's also uh, a William Blake poet or something like that. And I heard that lyric's actually inspired by Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper was uh, touring with them back in the day and um, he, he, he walked in a room and simply said something like that, like, woke up this morning got myself a beer and then he went on said some more shit and jim was like yeah dude yeah i, I got that feel so opening song great the next song is called waiting for the sun <laughs> even though that was uh, two albums ago um it's like the like led zeppelin did with house of the holy like the house of the holy album does not have the song house of the holy that's on album later um I forget the story. I think that song was written for that that session or whatever, but they hold, held on to it. It's a great song. It's really cool. There's a good Soundgarden cover, too. Um, I'm not sure why it wasn't on Waiting for the Sun. It's, a, it, it, it's strong. It's stronger than a lot of the material on Waiting for the Sun, but it's a great song. Um, the next song, uh, You Make Me Real, cool, cool track, great piano. This is, again, them kind of doing a more laid-back bluesy thing. Um, good stuff. So this album in general, the one thing, they, they still have kind of lost that dark edge from the first album that carried on to Strange Days, and it kind of get less and less and less. They've lost a lot of that still. There are spots when it kind of comes back, but they've replaced it with sort of um, like that kind of blue-collar blues thing, right? And it's mostly working for them, you know? The song The Spy, really good song, really great guitar work from Robbie Krieger, um, uh, Peace Frog. Peace Frog is fucking one of those little hidden gems. Peace Frog, weird funky guitar um the song i guess it was based on a poem by jim morrison called abortion stories and so he keeps talking about blood on the streets in the town of new haven blood in my love and he keeps going blood and blood in chicago he keeps all these different cities i think he's talking about uh i don't know if they're literally the women he knew who had abortions because of, of him or he's just like assuming this but it feels like this album abortion and fatherhood and and pregnancy is on his mind at least like his whole groupie lifestyle thing he mentions at least on two tracks and it, it it's it, i don't know i think it's interesting i i, I don't know that there's been stories but he, yeah he definitely had like you know uh women who, who had abortions because of him and he was you know fine with that and whatever that's great um but i don't know if those are true or not but it seems like this album that's like this weird thing is kind of he's thinking about a lot but despite that uh subject subject matter you know um Peace Frogs is awesome, it just rocks, it feels like so upbeat and and good times, uh, great stuff, great, uh, guitar work again, um, the album continues with, like, a bunch of good stuff, Queen of the Highways, awesome, um, there's even, like, I think the last song, actually, I take it back, I think there's one more song from, like, their, like, first batch of songs, um, which is, uh, I think it's Indian Summer, yeah, and it's, it's it's beautiful, it's really, um, simple and and lovely, he's like i love you do 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 do, the best great stuff right and this album in a lot of ways too is also um the last appearance of the classic jim morrison voice cuz the next album that voice is almost entirely gone uh whether it's just like it was a, a rough couple of weeks when they recorded that's the last album or or he blew out his voice or what this is sort of the last kind of uh solid collection of that classic creamy jim morrison voice that we've all grown to love um and it ends with the song called maggie mcgill maggie mcgill is sort of like a um like a lesser five to one some of the some of the rhythm and stuff like that to it great lyrics though really fun stuff it's not it's this is the only album i think that ends with a non-epic song it sounds like it's kind of like a cool rock song but there's some good stuff in there and again he mentions this thing he goes um sort of this weird rap at the end of it. He's like, illegitimate son of a rock and roll star. Mom met dad in the back of a rock and roll car. And uh that lyric uh, helped inspire one of my uh, my first book, uh Nefarious Twit in a really weird way. Um I, I, I don't know. I think he was just simply thinking about, you know, I maybe I have a fucking kid out there. I don't know. You know, he, I'm sure he, he um had plenty of sex and most of it was I'm sure all of it was unprotected, <laughs> so who knows? Um, but that's a good—it's a good song. It a kind of—it—it it does sort of encapsulate what M- Morrison Hotel has. These great roadhouse blues, great bits, right? These these great chunks. It does feel like um, it's a transitional album. The band is kind of—they're embracing the blues. They're starting to reinvent their roots, but they're not all the way there yet. They're not sure what they're doing. They're simply—they're taking the first steps on this quest to become something else. And that's why it's it's really interesting. Album you see, kind of the, the past becoming the future, and um, it's it's like okay, so we figured this out, um, but it's not f- it's it's cooking, <laughs> it's cooking, but dinner's not ready yet. The next album, dinner is fucking served. Okay, this is this is the this is the one that competes for um, their second best album. Um, some people say this is their favorite album, and I I, I actually I totally res- respect that in a lot of ways. I think you can't deny the first album, and I think Strange Days is slightly um, slightly better, but it's actually, sometimes I, I change my mind, because sometimes I'm like, Strange Days is just doing like, what the debut album did, but not as well, this album's doing something totally new, and it's doing it great, and no other album is really, and no other album their catalog is trying this, because this is their last album, so the doors go out on a fucking high point, um, Blaze of Glory, L.A. Woman, L.A. Woman, Ellie woman this is them reinventing the their roots this is them figuring out what is the blues when the doors do it and it's the results are are just fucking crazy they're they're really cool um opening song is called the changeling and the changeling jim morrison's almost doing like a someone like james brown kind of uh vocal stuff not actually the way he's singing it more like the stuff he's saying you know he's like get loose and because it's kind of funky track and it's it's a really cool song and great lyrics you know and he has he opens up the whole album it's called la woman um a lot of it seems to be like he's talked about los angeles before you know they're a la band um but this album almost every song kind of mentions la or you know or california in this first song, he's like, um, "I live uptown, I live downtown, I live all around." Hope you like me sing. I'm singing this whole fucking um, episode, but he's, he it opens up great. You know, you're like, "Okay, so that's what." And the first thing you notice too is that Jim's vocal. It sounds a little different. So this album, they that they um, they produced it themselves mostly. Um, Bruce Botnick, I think, who's the engineer for most of their other albums, he became the producer or co-producer with them. They didn't have Paul Rothschild, who who uh, produced the rest of their albums. Um, and so it sounds a little more raw. It sounds like uh, it's it's you know, it sounds like they recorded it in the garage, and they kind of did. Um, famously, Jim Morrison recorded his vocals in in the bathroom, sitting on the toilet. Not that he was taking a shit. Uh, he might have been, but I don't think he was. Uh but that was the best place for the acoustics for so to get the vocal. It, it sounded best in the bathroom. So that's where he was. They, they they had the cable run up the stairs and he was in the bathroom doing his thing with the rest of the band was downstairs rocking out. Um so this album sounds raw. And that's part of what the appeal of the album, right? The, the doors, um this is them this is them doing like getting down and dirty, right? And it really fits these songs. Uh, song 2 Lover Madly. This is uh, a Robbie Krieger uh, special. This is uh, a, another of his little pop hits. Um, great song, man. This song, so this last album is 1970, or maybe 71. Um, it, you can hear the like, production. It does sound, it's it sounding, it's like the, it is the 70s. Things sound a little better. I, I don't know if they went from like four track to eight track or, or whatever, but it, even though it's raw or sounding, it, some parts also sound a little more modern. This song is a good example. They have a cool effect on Jim's voice. Um, great song, "Lover Madly" is a good song, but then the third song kind of showed you like this is what we're in for. It's uh, been down so long, and Jim Morrison, he sounds, he sounds rough in a good way. He's barking his vocals. Um, he he sounds like he's been drinking. He's like something he's drinking currently, while like he's taking sips. And every time he's not drinking, he's gonna sing a lyric and go back to drinking. Um, it's rough stuff, right? And then the I think the last song, which I think is actually part of the original uh, batch of songs they they started, the whole band with, is called A Car's Hits By My Window. And that's a really mellow number, and they record it in a weird way where it sounds almost like uh, you could hear like highway sounds or something or or something. It, they do a, a there's a few parts in the album where they actually do like sound effects, kind of like Pink Floyd would do a lot. And they 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 work. They they're cool. Crisis hits my my window. is sort of a lesser track, but it's cool. It's it's a mellow kind of like palate cleanser for the next song. This is the album centerpiece. This is the title track, "L.A. Woman." "L.A. Woman," it's like. Um, this is, sort of, this is them doing another fucking epic. It's like seven minutes long. It's huge. Tons of parts to it in a, in a lot of ways. But it's also just this chugging um, rock song. It's more sort of like Break On Through in a way. That's like this song is built for you to be in a car going way too fast down the road. And and just going and getting into it. And, and the song is just... Um, it's one of the best things they've ever done. And Jim's vocal you know, it's been talked about, he he sounds tired, he sounds like, it sounds almost like some of the, this shouldn't have been the take, this sounds like, oh man, they should have had him, let him have a day off, rest, and come back, but at the same time, that kind of helps make the song, it's got this ragged edge to it, and what I love about this whole album, and this song is is like the best example of it, this feels like, a, <laughs> it feels like Frank Miller's the Dark Knight Returns, it feels like a hero who's um, been beaten down, who's battered, he's he's half dead, He's going out one last time. He's going to do it. Maybe he's a little too old now. Maybe he's a little broken. Maybe he's not as good as he used to be, but his um. His his commitment to this... to to driving this thing right into a fucking wall is so compelling. It makes it it makes him if he's not as good as he used to be, it gives him a new edge that's even better in some ways. It's 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 it, makes, it gives him a glint that he's never had before. This is. The door story is kind of always going to end like this in a lot of ways, but instead of going out for whimper, they go out for fucking bang. And L.A. Woman is them doing that, you know. Jim's talking about uh, coming back into town and he, and going back to L.A. and and you know there's different women in there, but he's you know the, the 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 lyric is really about L.A. as a person, as a woman, as the, as the love of his life in a lot of ways. Um, and the chorus he he uh, he mixes it up, but uh, the the first time he sings the chorus, he says "City of Night." city of night and um you know that's i think there's a a book of poetry called that um that he didn't write but that line is so good and it's it's the doors essentially it's like we're talking about la talking about california but to jim morrison it's the city of night it's it's the darkness that's what that's what he's here for that's that's where he comes from and it keeps on going and then the middle part um there's this break this breakdown, right? I think John Densmore, the drummer, kind of thought of like, we should slow down, guys. And they slow down, and Jim starts into this weird, awesome, like blues mantra thing. He says, Mr. Mojo Rising. And so you find out Mr. Mojo Rising is an anagram for uh, Jim Morrison. You mix the letters around. That's the spell. He, he was doing it one day, and he mixed up Jim Morrison. He got Mr. Mojo Rising and he's chanting it, and he's just screaming it, and screeching it, and the music keeps building with it, and it keeps going up, 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 and his vocal, basically, he basically is barely in command of the song, and he kind of loses it, but it's he he's such a good uh, improvisational uh, singer, he, he, he kind of comes back, and it's really fun and exciting to see him kind of uh, lose his hands off the handle, but grasp just the last minute, and kind of steer the car back off the cliff, and they come back into the verses it's it's such a roller coaster ride this song it just it's this close to falling apart that's the whole band at this point they're barely talking to each other um they they lost their producer everyone kind of hates them um they aren't they not invited to woodstock they're less popular than they ever been um you know jim's facing different like uh obscenity charges and in, in florida it's it's not looking good man and then in, in the wider things Wider uh, scope of things, you know. The counterculture seems like it's going down the toilet. Vietnam's still happening. Yeah, things are th- Drugs are getting harder. um, Things are getting dark, man. The '70s are happening, and the Doors, you know, they're already dark to begin with. So they're basically, you know, they're 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 a black hole collapsing into themselves. But that's kind of beautiful to behold, at least if uh, you're a Doors fan. It is because that's what you're. That's what you're here for. So the album continues. Um, the one of the weaker tracks, but still pretty cool, is La uh, Lamerica, The next song, it's it's got a lot of weird, in, interesting stuff. It's almost like a Strange Days kind of song. It it's it's but it's definitely one of my least favorite songs off the whole album. Good stuff though. Um, Hyacinth House. Hyacinth House is one of my favorite songs. I actually love the demo version on the box set, maybe even more than this this recording. Some of his be- most beautiful uh, lyrics. Uh, I think Ray Manzarek said it's the saddest song Jim ever wrote it is. And like the song, is, his lyric is like, um, I need a brand new friend. And I'll say it again. I need a brand new friend. The end. And uh, one of the things about The Doors I love is that every, I think every album except for, I think the third album, he says the words The End at some point. It's a weird little thing I've looked out for, but he, he there's a song The End, of course, and there's also End of the Night. But, um... Every song he'll say, every album he says the words at the end, and this is this is that version uh, of this album. I'm sorry, this is this is that time for this album. He says at the end, he goes, "I need a brand new friend." The end. And it's simply, I think, this is the end of the song, and it kind of fills that uh, that void for the syllables. But it also kind of feels like you know a callback to the end, the song, the end, and Jim Morrison's talking about the end is his only friend, which you know seems pretty. Uh, simple, simple that it's, he's talking about death, and so, it's like he's kind of coming back to it with highest, highest in house, but, um, now it feels like death's a lot closer, it's, it feels very much like he knows he's not long for this world, and, you know, that's because he's, you know, just a fucking, he's a fuck-up, he's, he's, he's doing too many drugs, drinking too much, and all that stuff, you know, I'm not gonna, um, I'm not gonna lament th- that part of it seems like he's very self-destructive. But at the same time, yeah, it's a bummer, but it's also kind of, the way he's putting it, very, uh, it's very beautifully put. Great song. Um, You have a, a, the big spoken word poetry part of this album is actually a a smaller track called Texas Radio and the Big Beat. This song feels like what Horse Latitude should have been because the music is really good. The music is really cool and interesting on this song. And so the spoken word stuff, and there's actually, there is an actual sung chorus it just comes off a lot more enjoyable, a lot more fun, and I I don't feel ever feel need to skip it. It just feels like this is an awesome song. This and so there's that there's "Crawling King which is an old blues song that um it feels perfect for them, obviously. And this is you know them again. They're reinventing the roots, so it's it's they're doing a pretty uh, a pretty faithful cover of it, but it's also it has that Doors vibe, you know. It's it's they always sound like them, so it's it's. It's really cool to see them kind of uh going back again doing the blues like they've done before but now doing it as in their new mode as a blues band so it sounds great. Um the final song is, is Riders on the Storm. And what a way to go out, right? Riders on the Storm, it's one of their biggest hits. It's an epic song, it's sort of like um Light My Fire and that it's a there's a lo- there's long solos in it and so it kind of um, it's a big so- track but it's it's more of a jam track, it's not like this big epic Uh, multi-part thing it's also really groovy great lyrics even though there are also some lyrics which yeah are bad and it's back to jim morrison the whole thing about how american poet that those words have like ruined the legacy of the doors basically because everyone just hates jim morrison for for, uh being referred to as that uh and it seems really pretentious and so yeah so people i think dissect his lyrics a little more uh thoroughly or um uh, I guess, yeah, thoroughly or a little more uh, brutally than they would like John Lennon or Paul McCartney or anybody else of like that ilk. And so there's lines in here. He's like, um, like an actor on a loan, a dog without a bone, riders on the storm. I actually like the, the actor on, on a loan thing. I think that's kind of cool. Dog without a bone, that's not so great. And uh, <laughs> there's other stuff. But there's also cool lyrics like, uh, you know, the killer on the road, his brain is squirming like a toad take a long holiday, let your children play, if you give this man a ride, sweet family, will die, killer on the road, love it, and also, that's another callback to the end, it feels like, the killer, um, he mentions the killer in in the end, and it feels like, this is not, like, a coincidence, it feels like that's, that's part of, uh, he's kind of calling back, he's kind of, this is, it feels like this, if the, if, if, um, Jim didn't die, it feels like the band would have broken up anyways, this is like a, this feels like a final statement, and, um, I think that's really tricky to do and do well. Is if you kind of are trying to make a final statement, it, you might be kind of trying to make an ultimate statement, and most of those seem to be uh, poised to fail from the get go. This works because they're doing something new, and it's it also just feels organic. It just feels like yeah, this um, it's weird. It's like the band embraces something new. They they reinvent their roots. They become a blues band, and in doing so, they they re. Uh, discover that darkness that dark edge they had from the first album and this is the closest they come they come to reclaiming that in a lot of ways um and that's like the fire of the band and so it's it's there and so rise in the storm it ends on this really cool it's actually pretty mellow beautiful uh tone but it got has a that that kind of dark vibe underneath it and you hear the rain sound effect it's just it's 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 wonderful right and that's how the band ends the, the the band ends on that note um jim dies um i I believe if not less than a year after the album comes out it might be in like a few months after the album came out um the band does try to uh do a couple albums about jim uh, other voices and stuff like that you know but they don't count and and even though they're called the doors i I don't think even when cds became a big thing that the band that tried to push those back out on CD, they kind of let it go, they knew, like, hey, Jim, Jim, without Jim, there is no Doors, even though we're a great band, they, they should have found another singer, and actually um, changed their name, like, fully, and, and embraced something totally different, if they wanted to continue playing together, because they're great players, and they're a great band, um, but they didn't really do that, uh, the Doors story ends with LA Woman, and it ends in a magnificent fashion, I that, that's why I love this run, this run it's a broken run, but it's a perfectly broken run, it, it, it's a complete story, you open this incredible in- introduction, right, um, it's like a hero's journey, the, the, you know, you come on there, there's the call to adventure, right, Strange Days continues that, um, then you get this sort of like, this lull in the middle, like, it's sort of like, oh man, I'm kind of losing my way, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, the band's kind of falling apart, then they get their shit together, <laughs> and I guess them getting their shit together and figuring out what their their purpose is is, is our purpose is to self-destruct. Our purpose is to self-destruct, but in an incredible way. and to uh, celebrate life while we do that. And they do that the last two albums. Um, and so you know, again, like to, to, to kind of go back to the beginning, I can't convince you the doors are good if you don't like the doors, and that's fine. Um, I, I, I am kind of uh, I just feel bad because I think the doors fucking rule. and I, I don't know if it's uh, I'm wrong. Or neither of us, it's, you know, it's obviously we could both be right or wrong. It's an opinion of music. But um, I think if you look past uh, maybe your preconceptions or some of your your, your right um, notions that, yeah, there's some pretension and maybe Jim Morrison was an asshole, there's incredible music and there's an incredible message. And there's a band unlike any other band. Even though they are such an influential band and they've inspired a lot of stuff, no one's ever going to capture this. This, uh, this alchemy is once in a lifetime, and I can't think of a band that came out more fully formed, and that ended more, um, a band that ended on such a high note, you know, they, they started great, they ended great, in the middle, they kind of, uh, did okay, but what a great run, what a great, um, what a great contribution to rock and roll. The Doors, man. Break on through. Maybe, maybe the best rock anthem of all time. The End. Maybe the one. Maybe the best rock uh, epic of all time. Ellie Woman. Maybe the best final album. Last band. Last album by anyone of all time. I don't know, man. The Doors. They're great. Thanks for listening. Break on through. Bye. <laughs>